joy, great. Andrew suggested I should say she's great because that would be nothing like an f- unfunny word pun. Um, but joy has been such a, a, a blessing and a friend to our family for quite a long time. To actually this church, this is, you, I reckon you preached a couple of times here stretching back in the day. But one of the super exciting things is you would have noticed Joy being in the midst of us. So she's kind of planning ourselves here. And if you haven't heard Joy before, the, the, the great blessing uh, she's been in my life and also in many, many churches across Australia and around the world is she's got this amazing kind of prophetic sort of spooky thing. She looks through you and sees you thing. But she's really normal and not weird about it, which is hard to pull off. I find um, and, and it's that thing that she, she brings and she's I know uh, just going to you know bring something great to us this morning. so why don't we just give her a really warm wedding welcome thank you Joy we've got our best uh, we've brought out the best um, lectern for you here steeped in I'll sit down thank you Graham um, for that very warm introduction and it's a very easy place to belong Cornerstone is a very easy place to belong. And uh, to use Chris O'Gorman's beautiful word, it feels tribal. Um, And even before, um, it felt like that from the start. But this morning, Clem and I discovered we went to the same high school in Christchurch. He was born again in a church that my dad pastored after my dad's time there. So no wonder I feel so at home here. Well, the lectionary reading for the 15th of July um, is from Psalm 84, Psalm 85, but with um, Graham's permission, uh, we're going to go into Psalm 84. And indeed, that was the song that we first sang this morning. I don't know if that was a coincidence, but it was beautiful to sing, How Lovely Are Your Dwelling Places. Charles Spurgeon used to refer to Psalm 84 as the sweetest of all the Psalms. That's a nice picture, isn't it? Uh, But what makes it so relevant to us is that it's regarded to have been written around a time of exile. And Graham said to us when he first preached, he said this, we are no longer a Judeo-Christian country. It's as if the believers are currently in exile. And uh, I found that that was an interesting point of connection. And in that place of exile, the writer is dreaming of home which for him is Zion, it's Jerusalem. Um, In fact, the writer, one of the sons of Korah, so longs for the experience that he would swap one day for a thousand of what he's enduring. Uh, That's the passion, the drive of his heart. On my notice board in my study, um, I put a little card a few years ago, and it's still there, permanent temporariness. We need to know we're passing through. And there's something about the life of the believer that has to hold together living big, living rich in the day and having heaven in our heart. We have to make the most of today. We occupy till he comes. That's, our, that's how we make today great, but never without the memory or the thought of every truth that we understand about eternity and about heaven. Paul expressed it like this. He said, I'm a citizen of Rome, but my citizenship is in heaven. So we're to live fully on earth without any sense of escapism, 
but we are also to live with a vision of eternity in our heart. And the writer of Psalm 84 seems to portray, seems to gather up both of those truths. It's kind of like I'm dealing with my realities in this exile situation, but I'm not losing sight of home. And that's all I'm going to say about the psalm as a whole. So before introducing the verses that are going to be our focus today, let me tell you why I was hoping to be able to go to 84 instead of 85. When Graham preached his first message as the lead pastor, he included the reference to Isaiah 43, beautiful words that Robert brought from 18 to 21, verses 18 to 21, which include in verse 19, I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. He said there's a sense where Jesus does his best job when we, his people, are in exile. Then he said something profound. We don't have to be in power to be in influence. And then I think the next message was from Chris O'Gorman who encouraged us to maintain integrity in the face of persecution. And then on the 24th of June, when Joel was leading... He spoke of the storms of life and of our need to discern the storms. And when Josh took over, he encouraged us that God gives us strength for whatever season we're in. And the following week on the 1st of July, Clem spoke of going through tough times in Christchurch. And as he was praying through that season, he came to see that God was wanting to develop strength in him. And he spoke of a lack of lament and how that's not quite good enough. We're allowed to lament. It's valid to have a lament. Um, And how can you have an Honest to God series if you don't have a valid lament? Uh, Then last week, Josh spoke of a tendency that we have in the church towards triumphalism, which is an avoidance of of the lament. And he triangulated an omnipotent God with the junk of life and our ability to find mercy in the face of life. And he urged us yet again to move towards Jerusalem, to never lose Jerusalem from our hearts. And that's a beautiful and symbolic picture. So in a nutshell, we as a church have been hearing an awful lot about an amazing God who will always get us through difficult times. And that brings us to the choice of verses out of Psalm 84 in this Honest to God series. And if I can be honest to you, when um, I saw that that's what Graham was calling the series, I sat in my seat kind of hoping he'd ask me to speak. Um, (laughs) I've called this morning's message a certain kind of strength. So here are the verses that we have chosen. Um, Psalm 84 verses 5, 6 and 7, and I've used the NIV, the New International Version. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, you being God, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Other translations say wells. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. 
So before I go any further, just a brief explanation. The Valley of Baca was not a real place. It would have been so much fun if it had been near the Mount Hermon and we could have done some cool thing about melting snows, but it doesn't work. It's not a real place. It's a picture that he's bringing. Baca is Hebrew for the balsam tree. And um, the balsam tree, the, the sap when it runs out, looks like tears. So he was using that imagery to describe a valley experience, a place of sorrow, a place of travail, a place of tears. And so all we need to know about it is it's a place of tears, sorrow, lament that we pass through. We don't camp there. But while we were there, while we we're in those places, we and God both produce life-giving nourishment. So with all of that set up, what do I mean by a certain kind of strength? When I saw this, it almost explained my entire life to me. I hope it blesses you as much as it blesses me. All right, so first of all, blessed are those whose strength is in you. That word strength, and I'm glad Josh is not here so he doesn't have to hear my Hebrew. Um, I'm calling it Ozi because Uzi sounds wrong. Um, blessed are those whose Ozi is in you, whose strength is in you. Uh, they go, and then we have the valley, and then verse 7, we have they go from Kahayil strength to Kahayil strength. All right, the understanding of this is what will pop your brain. It's wonderful. So other ways Ozi is translated in Scripture are words like bold, loud, might, and power. Now, if you understand it in its context, I'm adding unseasoned, immature, untested, and unrefined. Then we go through the experiences of life and we come out the other side with kahayul strength and other translations for that are power, riches, great force, substance, valour, war. And then, and I got this from somewhere else, it's a, it, the, the sum up of it is a gathering of resources into a force to be reckoned with. It speaks of a virtuous, valiant strength. It speaks of great personal ability. That's not a subtle difference. That's a huge difference. And I'm reminded of Graham's comment that as exiles, we may not be in power, but we can be in influence. We are to be a force to be reckoned with. So what I've done, and it's not entirely cheeky, and I'm not trying to add to Scripture, but I've rewritten the three verses. Blessed are those who recognise you as the source of their strength, even though it is unseasoned by life, and then who endure hardship so that your strength is no longer operating out of an unseasoned place, but is now a reliable resource for the kingdom. Isn't that cool? I've done one more rewrite. Blessed are those of us who are loud and even a bit obnoxious in the way we throw our strength around. <laughs> hey God, we didn't ask to be born strong and we don't quite know how to handle our strength. Thank you God for allowing our pilgrimage to take us through places of weeping or hardship because when we come out the other side as pilgrims of influence in an exile situation, we carry virtue and are valiant and we are blessed with great 
personal ability. And P.S. God, help us sink life-giving wells and springs while we are in our valleys of weeping. You are the great economist. You waste nothing, so we won't either. Not bad. <laughs> so the small, I don't know why they didn't ring me up and ask me for my translation before they did, you know. Uh, so this morning, we're going to keep this very simple. We're going to look at our strength. We're going to look at what we do when life happens, then what God does, and finally what the world gets. We're going to look at our strength first. The psalmist is very clear that our strength is in him. We don't manufacture it. Just for interests, and you don't have to do this, but put your hand up if you were born strong. <coughs> As a few, probably bits of all of you have been. The thing about the Ozzy strength is that it is pre-valley strength, and I've called it unseasoned. Unseasoned strength is not an easy part of the body of Christ. It can actually be hard work for everyone. Please don't be condemned by what I've said. Many, many strong servants of God who are now standing with stature in God have passed through the stage of unseasoned strength. And sometimes if we position people to high levels of leadership while they're young and haven't gone through a valley, the strength that they will show is the loud, brash strength. I think it's where we confuse dominion with domination. People can be born strong and nobody knows what to do about it, including the people who've been born strong. And I've been there, done that, and I've thrown the T-shirts away. Um, if you've been born with natural strength of personality and character, here is a really good scripture to help. It certainly helped me. Isaiah 30 verse 15 this is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, and then in quietness and trust is your strength. King James says quietness and confidence is your strength. But then um, as the prophet is writing into his story to the people who are going to read this, he said, but you'd have none of it. Now that's what happens when our natural strength is impacted by an invitation to spiritual strength but says no thanks. What we want to do is allow the invitation to spiritual strength to kick in. Quietness and confidence can seem like a weak version of loud and throwing our weight around strength, but it isn't weak at all. And if by now in this message you realise that you were born strong, here's what I want to say to you. Don't deny your natural strength. Don't deny your personality just to avoid criticism. It's a wrong motive and it's an insult to God who made you to stand out. Let your strength serve the purposes of God in your life because whether or not you like it, I repeat, you were born to stand out. We are not to suppress our strength we are to submit our strength to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Or, to quote Jeremiah, and it can't be said better than this, this is what the Lord says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, 
that I am the Lord who exercises, and here are these words again, these beautiful words, kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. It's a beautiful picture for sure. So where are we up to? Our Ozy strength is in him and we're not to deny it. We have set our hearts towards him. Our hearts are set on a pilgrimage. We are pursuing God. But now we find ourselves in the valley of Baca. Uh, we can avoid the valley and just look stupid pretending it's not bothering us. And that's the word that Josh gave us last week of triumphalism, where you meet with somebody and you know they've just gone through a bad time and they go, how are you going? They go, ah, fine, bad day, that's all, I'm over it. Well, that's triumphalism and it just makes us all look a bit silly. So what do we do when life happens? Clem talked about the horrible time in Christchurch. Chris spoke about persecution. Joel spoke about the storms of life. My first, the first recollection I have, distinct recollection of being in a valley of Baca was when I was 20 years of age and it lasted for about two years. And I know why, I'm not telling you. Um, I know why, that would have been juicy. Um, I know why I was there, but I didn't know why I was crying. Um, if we worship God, I cried. If somebody told me they loved me, I cried. If somebody held me, I cried. I just seemed to, if I read the word, I cried. And in the end, you're, you know, you're feeling a little bit strange. And I went to a very wise woman um, in the church and I, I just said, I don't know what's going on. I'm crying all the time. And she said, he is melting your heart. And then she said, and every tear that you are weeping, he holds. Now, what I didn't know then was that I was sinking the first well of my life. There's no age limit to our valley experiences. Very young people can find themselves in valleys. And um, older people of faith who know that terrain must help them through. So these valley experiences are brought on by things done to us or done by ourselves to ourselves. Often we don't see them coming. They can be traumatizing. They can be unwanted. And here's the kicker. They can look like failure. When we no longer reliably turn up to church looking happy and low maintenance, it can be a challenge. Um, too many believers have actually slunk away from church because their story no longer looks victorious um, or in the current very dangerous use of the word no longer looks like favour. So what we're to do is to own this absolutely unshakable truth that the God of all wisdom and all understanding and all love always gets us through the valleys. He's in them with us. Our natural giftings and abilities, our natural strength will take us into the valley and God is with us the whole way. And while we, were, while we are there weeping his tears, it begins the process of building our well or creating our springs. Don't be ashamed of your tears and I'm not necessarily even meaning literal tears. I'm meaning the sorrow, the lament that Clem spoke about, the lament of our soul. Whenever we find ourselves just splayed before the Lord in repentance or in longing or desire, those times become like liquid in the hands of God and they fill the well of our life. They create the springs of our life. 
And as I've already said, denying the valley is just foolish behaviour. Also foolish is rushing to declare victory. Don't hasten the valley. I think when we say we're healed and we're not, we've really just set ourselves up for further injury and nobody can declare how long it's going to take us to get through the valley. I've got through some now because I've learned to identify them and to process some things quite well, but I've had others go on for quite a long time. So I don't rush to declare the healing now. And here's another mistake we can make, making a cerebral decision like this. Well, I'm never going to let that happen again. That's the last time they do that to me. A, that's prideful because we've just taken back control of our lives. But B, um, it can almost be like an inner vow. And that is just sets us up for another pretty decent lot of pain. So instead, what do we do when life happens? This is one of my all-time favorite principles from Scripture. It's the Genesis 50 um, principle. Now, this, the setting for this is Joseph and his brothers have come, and all of a sudden they're realizing, oh, my goodness, this is the guy we tried to kill. He can do anything with us. He's one of the most powerful people in the land. We're in trouble. And Joseph looks at them, and he says, you intended it for evil. But God turned it out for good to the saving of many lives. Every time anything happens to any one of us, if we process it well, we've just won an enormous victory that is available now in the hands of God to do with as he wants to. Every time I sink a valley, a well in my valley, every time I allow a spring to, to, to be formed, what I'm doing is saying, Father... If there's anyone with a straw that needs this, tell them to come on in. Have you ever noticed the people who you attract and you don't even know why you attracted them? People who pour their heart out to you and you go, I have no idea where that came from. It's, that's the spirit dimension that's entered into the atmosphere between the two of you. They've got a straw and you've got the well. God wastes nothing and nor should we. Don't ever be ashamed of the dark times of your life, especially the ones that you brought on yourself by your silly decisions. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've been there, I've done that. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, just know that God wastes absolutely nothing. All right, it's getting better. We're, we've taken our strength, we've taken God, we've gone into the valley, we've sunk a well, springs have come up. And at that point, God brings in his part. And this is just so stunning to me. I, I, it's just so stunning. And I think it's a picture of what's going on in Cornerstone right now. What God does, it says, autumn rains also cover that valley, that experience with pools. We're still in the valley. But the creative power of God, he sets seasons into place at the beginning of time. And in the creative power of God, because of what he did before we turned up, he has seen to it that after winter comes, no, after spring, autumn, winter, not sure when, um, the, <laughs> uh, the autumn rains come. Now in Palestine, I do have this bit right. In Palestine, they turn up in October. I've got that bit right. Winter time is a drying time. The ground is hard. It is not receptive to the heavy rains that will cause the seed to burst open. 
and something is needed to change the um, seasons, to make the seasons work well for the ground. Winter time, can you just, that is not Palestine, that's just me typing into Google Images Cracked Earth, the one on the left. Um, imagine if I came to that ground and I got a bucket of water and I just upended it. It would be gone as quick as it arrived, wouldn't it? There'd be no, there'd be no, um, um, there'd be no advantage and I think if I can say to any of you old-time Christians, that's what our open-air meetings were. We kind of snuck out of the door and we threw a bucket of water over the world and then we snuck back inside the door and we wondered why the world wasn't, you know, turning up. Um, and I, sometimes our, our big speeches and our big gestures are just a bucket of water over, over cracked earth. Uh, instead, he sends autumn rain. Autumn rain is a softening rain it's actually called a teacher rain. Isn't that an amazing picture? And because of the softening rain, um, the ground is now readied for the seed to start to spring forth. I think what Lynn does on a Friday night is autumn rain. And I've just read the newsletter from Graham um, with the whole thing that's opening up with mainly music. That's autumn rain. It's very um, interesting, this season in the life of Cornerstone Church. A lot of what's going on is softening rain. Does that make sense? It feels to me it does. See, unseasoned strength yells and it throws its weight around. Spiritual strength that comes out of autumn rain softens the world, enabling it to receive the seed of life. And it's, an, it's a beautiful picture of Graham's encouragement to us to see ourselves as an influence. And here's the other thing that's so extraordinary about these pools. Again, just looking at the Hebrew word and the fullness of what it means, it actually by implication means prosperity. The autumn rains bring pools, softening rains bring pos, pro, uh, po, prosperity. And my wording is this, if I can use the wording I used earlier. Those pools are a gathering of purpose-filled blessing, a gathering of resources. What an answer to the contempt that um, Josh spoke about out of Psalm 123. What the world intended to do with our lives, what the world intended to do, what circumstances intended to do with our reputations, all of those things that intended to happen. God says, actually, if you allow me to walk with you through that, you are going to come out of it as a resource for the kingdom. So I would say this to you, the autumn rains, these softening rains, these teacher rains, they change our how but not our who. You were born strong and God intends for you to die strong. So what does the world get? The purposes of God on the earth require us to function at a higher level than what we could call spiritualized natural strength. There's another type of strength and it's safer for us and it's safer for everyone around us. This kahayul strength. Walking through a valley means that his strength is no longer unproven in us. It is proven. And now we're a gathering of resources that are a force to be reckoned with. We are a virtuous, 
valiant strength that speaks of great personal ability. Um, I was thinking just this morning, I thought I'd better get some statistics together about my own life because what I do know is that we don't go through one valley. And by the way, a lot of our lives can look lush and be genuinely good and mountaintop and healthy and just one area is a valley time. Other times are so all-consuming, it's like the whole lot of ourselves and our experiences are in the valley. But I thought I'll do a quick add-up, and I'm sure if I thought longer, I'd get a bigger number. But I think I've had seven distinct valley times in my life. Three of them, I brought on myself. Crazy choices, brought it on myself. I've had three that have been done to me by others, and one the result of ill health. But I cherish every tear, every teardrop. Um, and just because I see I've got time to do so, some of you who've been here a long time, one of your friends is Ruth O'Hanlon. And because of Christy, I'm involved with Ruth in a quite a lot of work with Central Asia. And it's absolutely right and true to say that I would have no message for these glorious women experiencing the ghastly stories that are their lives if I hadn't had those valleys. If I hadn't had a valley and the, the call of God on my life is to be a voice, so let's say somebody had said, oh, Joy's a voice, let's take her to Uzbekistan. And I heard the stories that I heard last November. Um, I would have said, well, no wonder that's happened to you. Here's all you have to do. And I would have rocked out some silly Western platitude and called that ministry. Instead, I've gone through some valleys. So when I turn up in Uzbekistan with my springs and my wells and a little bit of God's autumn rain, they can pull out their straw and have a drink. That's what happens when we allow God to work his work in our lives. Of course, it's injury to hunt out pain. How silly for any of us to wake up and say, I've been happy for too long. It's time that I go find some pain. That's just injury. Rather, life happens and we find ourselves sinking yet another well on our way home to Jerusalem. Here's how I'd like to finish this message. Um, I'm, I've constructed a prayer for me, um, and, I, and can I say, if any of you are saying, well, how on earth do I do this? Can you just go to the theme of the, of the whole series? Be honest to God. Um, but for me, I keep it very simple. My life is very simple. Um, everything outside of my life is, is not without complexity, but for me, it's just underneath of the everlasting arms all the way my Saviour leads. But when it comes to prayer, this is how it works. I pray what I know into what I don't know. And I think that's a good way to approach a valley. Dear God, here's the deal. I'm telling you exactly what's going on. Now, you know what's going to come out of it, so I'm praying my known into a future that only you know. And with that in mind, I've constructed a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to say it after me, phrase by phrase, but only pray the bits that you feel are right for your stage in the journey. And there are going to be two places in the prayer where I'll go silent and you add your own bits into it. At one point, I'm going to give you a few moments to describe the valley that you believe you are in 
And at another point, I'm going to uh, give you a few moments to mention people or situations where you feel that your quiet and confident strength can be autumn rains to their hardness of heart. So it's an invitation. When that's done, I'm going to pray a very specific prayer and then hand the microphone back to Graham. But for right now, my invitation to you is to join me in this prayer, phrase by phrase. Closing your eyes, let's begin. Father, I come to you in Jesus' precious name. Thank you for the strength that is a natural part of my makeup. Thank you for the good that I've done in your name. Thank you for my natural strength and abilities. Forgive me for the times that I've caused damage through my inappropriate use of my strength. I now own my valley of weeping. And here I'm just inviting you to take a few moments to describe the valley that you feel you may be in, in the spirit of being honest to God. Help me to weep my tears usefully. I will no longer be ashamed of them. I will not deny them. Thank you for adding autumn rains into my life. Let my experiences soften the hearts of those around me. Let my experiences draw others to you. And I'm inviting you now to take a few moments to mention people or situations where your quiet and confident strength can be as autumn rain to their hardness of heart. Thank you for seasoning and refining my strength. Continue to teach me about the certain kind of strength that you've worked in me. Where, how and when it is to be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The last thing I want to do is pray very specifically for those of you who know you're strong but you've been made to feel ashamed of your strength I've only had I'm, I was born strong it's just a fact I can't hide it um, and um, the great difficulties come with that um, and I've been a grade 3 teacher and you can see the little cherubs who were born strong um, they're little characters and you know their parents sometimes swing into the classroom looking like you know walking nerve ends and the least I can the most I can say to them is you're probably rearing a leader but some of you will have been made to feel ashamed of your strength and I would 
I just want to pray and lift that off you today. Um, I believe I carry an authority to do that because of what I've had to um, work through in my own life. So not to make any of you feel um, uh, exposed. Um, if you feel that you have been put down or made to feel ashamed of your strength, um, I'm just going to ask you to very quietly put your hand on your heart while I pray and lift that shame from you. Heavenly Father, you made us, you wove into us giftings before time began. Our journeys began in the imagination, the divine and holy imagination. And you saw to it that we came to earth at the right time through the right seeding. And as a result, we are all a certain kind of person. Lord, through lack of understanding, sometimes we don't know how to be who you've called and created us to be. Lord, I bring to you every person who is owning strength and owning the difficulties they've had understanding it. And Lord, in situations where there has been the descending of shame through either a physical hand laid on them through harshness or through words spoken that have been critical, acidic and biting. In Jesus' name, I say be released from the shame. In Jesus' name, we lift that shame and we say, Holy Spirit, let the oil of healing come into the bruising of those hearts. Lord, I pray that there will be a grace. And as Josh taught us last week, a mercy. A mercy flooding our hearts and in the place of cringe and embarrassment and shame and revisiting unhelpful memories I pray that there will now be a release and a freedom to own who you've called us to be in the precious and holy name of Jesus Amen Thank you Grace about you but um, my heart my spirit feels full uh, <clears throat> it's probably one of those times like a big meal where you've got to just sort of um, sort of sit back and, and digest allow, allow the spirit I, I'm sure um, for each one of us whilst there was certainly something for us as a church thank you Joy thank you for your heart to, to bring something to us as a church but I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's actually also something at a very personal, individual level that's probably slightly different. It's, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why uh, we like to, particularly after messages like that, just create a little bit of space before we rush off, just to allow, allow the spirit to continue to just settle what, what's for you. Maybe, maybe there's a bit of sort of homework or a bit of follow-through or something, like a next step. So um, we're just gonna uh, we're just gonna play some some worship music here for a while. I'm gonna invite um, I'm gonna invite the, the Lanes and the Friars to come forward too because they we'd love to pray with you. Times like this, I feel like it's not really praying for you, 
the Spirit's doing His work. We don't need to do that. But we'd love to stand with you and agree uh, and pray with you. So if there's something in particular, I'm, I'm sure Joy wouldn't mind as well. If you, if you feel like you want to just uh, have someone stand with you as well, um, again, it's a, it's a brave thing we know to come to the front. But I'm going to ask those guys to come now. So come up the front so they're here ready for you. Come on, Pete and Dot, come up the front. That'd be great. Enjoy. And so therefore, these people are here ready to pray with you. But otherwise, uh, why don't you, again, stand or stand or sit, doesn't really matter. Just allow the Spirit to uh, to minister. We'll just spend a bit of time in reflection and then we'll uh, finish our meeting. We'll sing that song, Simple Gospel. Thanks, Andrew. This was produced by Cornerstone Christian Resources. It is deemed copyright and may be used by For further information about Cornerstone Christian Resources, please visit the Cornerstone website.